everybody, we're the Con Artists. We promised we'd be back to talk about Little Witch Academia, and we are back! So we're gonna talk about Little Witch Academia, our rolling review choice for spring 2017. Yeah, so for you guys have been following along with us, uh, in the sense that there's gonna be tons of spoilers, and we're probably gonna talk about things we've already uh, written about. But uh, for once, we picked a show that we all really enjoyed, which is... I know, I was gonna say, round of applause for us, we finally picked Yay. a good one. Hooray. Good job, team! What this means in practical terms is that for once we can talk about the things we didn't like first because there are going to be a lot less of them than things we did. Thank uh, goodness. So I guess I'm going to start off with uh, probably, I guess my biggest complaint was that I feel we didn't really get enough time with our main characters. Like really basically Susie or Lote, uh, although I guess it would have been nice to have you know Yasvinka and company have a little more time as well. And that we spent... A little too much time on like filler stuff like basically i wanted to see them going more on adventures that rely on their witch prowess and less stuff like chasing that old dead guy around town or going to a book convention or other stuff like that what do you guys think i think it was a kid's show i actually i thought about this a little bit before we we got on cast and there there was quite a bit of filler there was the episode with the the skeleton guy and Latte's convention and just weird, weird stuff that didn't really amount to anything. And at the end of the day, I felt like they were trying to derive, A, it was world building because it got us out of the school some of the time. And B, I think they were just trying to do it as like wacky adventure on this episode. So it was one of those almost like a taste type of thing. I too agree we didn't get nearly enough time with the other girls, which is part of my complaint much, much later in the show when they all have are supposed to have this big impact oh, in yeah, the 25. The, the big launch on their little spaceship and, it's, and each one yeah. gets like, hey, my character trait's going to power us. It's like, oh. Okay. Right. Yeah, that was about it. So I felt like we didn't get a whole lot of time with them and their collective input didn't amount to anything and that was right. that was a little disappointing because i was really excited when i did the math somewhere in the early episode and i was like holy cow there's like seven words and there's seven witches and oh man i totally figured this out so you don't count hannah and barbara oh my gosh, <laughs> yes barbara, barbara. No. we're gonna talk about them later but that's in the good section because they're thanks amazing. goodness for the toadies but anyway i I wasn't a huge fan of it, but at the same time, for the type of show they were going for, I, I don't know that I can really call it bad, objectively. I don't know. It's I guess just it's, like, it's my I wish take on more, it? I wish it was more like more witchery and less just, hey, we're going to go do a thing. I'm like, generally in agreement on that, I think. I did feel that there was a bit too much filler in the first bit, so that a lot of the actual story felt really backloaded, but... You know, as Sue pointed out, this is definitely aimed at a younger audience than most of the fare that we tend to go for. True. So I don't consider it for that type of show. It's not a bad thing. It would have been nice if it were a little more evenly paced and we had a bit more, I guess, kind of less of all of the search for the words crammed into the uh to the, the second half. half, yeah, yeah. and it would that would have also hopefully given us a little more time to uh, weave the stories about the supporting cast. You know, like Susie and Lottie both have theirs, and I think only Lottie's had um, anything to do with one of the words. And even then, like she's rather her whole thing is to kind of set up the episode, and once that happens, she's 
of right. she's just limited kind of, input. She's staying at home or like, you know, Susie's episode is, is really cool and like a great showcase of Trigger's animation talent. But it also kind of, kind of felt out of place. I'm like, I don't really know that we had enough time watching Susie and Akko interact to get to the point where, you know, Susie's at in her mind, like in her relationship with, with Akko. Yeah. To be fair, I don't know that Susie thinks about anything but mushrooms. So if we're going to mm. go with who got the most accurate episode, oh, yeah. it true. probably was Susie. To tell that you is a very truth. good point. That's true. That's that's probably the way it went down. Um, the, what was that? What was that one episode where um, Akko's going? Uh, Akko's like starting to uh, starting to like lose her mind a little bit. And uh, oh, who's the uh, who's the girl? The um, the broom dancer one. Why am I forgetting her Amanda. name? Amanda. 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 Yes. Um, she like leans over in over to Susie. Is like, did you like slip her any mushrooms or anything? And Susie just kind of looks at her askance while sipping from what appears to be a juice box of mushrooms. It's like, <laughs> when am I not doing that thing? Yeah, exactly. She's like, what do you mean? Every day at lunch? Yeah, it's. I don't know. It was. It was strange. I will admit that. Yeah, we didn't get enough understanding of the magic magic because there were a couple episodes where you can tell that I guess Trigger was pulling from probably a more accurate description of magic. Like they had to know numerology and ancient Sumerian or something, like some ancient language or something. It was a lot of, it was less, less of the Harry Potter to tell you the truth. Like there was metamorphosis or whatever, but... It definitely wasn't the, like, super playful magic, and then we were never in class again. But honestly, it's anime, oh, yeah. and when the heck does anyone ever stay in school longer than half an episode? Actually, it was kind of sad. I wanted more school time. Like, I wanted to know who all these teachers were. We kind of met, like, two of them, and whatever her face was, like, McGonagall lady. But then, who was that divination teacher with a giant eye? Like, oh, I didn't yeah. think she had any lines, and I was like, what's your deal? <laughs> yeah, there was basically, like, McGonagall, the headmistress... And oh yeah, that fish one. Like uh, that's yes. so Pisces. 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 And the flight instructor. Right, because there's also yeah, like times. like flight lady. There was uh, the giant eye lady. There was the the potions lady who they were in class for like a little bit on. But oh yeah, the crazy one. Yeah. We didn't really get like a the academia part of Little Witch Academia. I mean, I would have liked a little more. Obviously, I don't want to see every day of class, but like a little more would have been nice. Agreed. So there is there is definitely a lot of filler, probably built for more of a children's show. Yeah. Without too much thought put into it. I want the well, thoughts a bad way to phrase it. There mm. isn't a goal in mind. It's just That's like in true. today's episode, we thought this would be fun. And so we did it. And then we did it. And yeah. yeah. And then we did it. So a lot of it was geared. Some of it was geared towards Akko's growth and majority of it ignored everybody else. And this did cause problems in the latter half because there is a gigantic overarching story here, which if you've been reading, it's, it's the words, there's the words that resurrect magic and, that is important, yet nobody really has a buildup, which helps create a payoff in the second half. So Right. And actually, that was one of the things like Croy, right? The villain of the show. Uh, I never really felt like her, mo like her motivations were amply explained by the end, and they did a good job on that. But I guess I never really understood why she acted the way she did for the rest of the show, like before she revealed her evil plot. And this was kind of like the, why did you, you know, why were you cozying up to Akko? Like, your plan at no point revolved around Akko. You did not need the rod. I mean, ultimately you did, but you didn't know that. 
Like, but I think she reveals that, Scott. I think at one point she's just like, why did I, aren't you wondering why I even got close to Akko? It was mostly just to hurt you because she is your dream. And I wanted to crush your dream the way you crushed mine when you were picked to hold the shiny rod. Oh, you say so I'm going to fight you on that one. That Ur was actually talking to Ursula, basically. Talking to Ursula. So that's actually answered. It's really vindictive. That's really the answer. It's yeah, out okay. of vindictiveness. I guess I could see that. Brendan, did you have anything else besides what we've mentioned that uh, bugged you at all? Because I think we've covered most of the stuff that got to us. I mean, honestly, I thought that the plot in the back end was just a little too much. I kind of wanted to see more like episodic adventures. Oh, okay, so you enjoyed the kind of goofy adventures. A little bit, yeah. Like we like when we stopped having those, I missed them, and it's like, oh, we gotta hmm. like we're gonna spend this scene talking about how we don't have enough words. Uh, oh, okay, then, I then enjoyed. Keeps... I mean, I won't lie. I enjoyed some of them. I actually thought the headmistress one was cute because it was. Oh, a I love the headmistress herself. Yeah, like, she's great. so it was a really cute episode and gave us a little insight. It was kind of a world buildery one too. So I will admit they layered. Like I said, they layered some stuff in there. And then Dan, there was that beautiful episode where like Akko goes to find the fountain. And oh, the Polaris, the fountain. Oh, yeah, that was fantastic. the value of hard work, and it's just this, I don't it's really touching and gorgeously animated, and, and very, that was very one nice. Of, and that, I think, is one of the ones that blended, like, the, what we didn't realize at the time was the overarching story with the more episodic stuff, because nothing in that really comes back other than the lessons she learns, which is great, and... What Brendan's but then she has to go back to the fountain in episode thirteen. Right, but the thing is, is that um, I can I actually agree with Brendan in in one respect. I think we could have either gone more episodic and made it more you know about you know sort of a week by week class kind of thing, or we should have woven the um, the story beats in from an earlier point. Going one direction or the other, I think, would have resulted in in a stronger show overall. Instead, they kind of split the difference, and while it hmm. isn't a bad show by any stretch of the imagination, it's just not as it's not as tight as trigger shows generally are. Most of the time, they have a really strong idea of where they're going, and when they decide to break away from that, it's either for a good reason or because they're pacing out the beats of their story. Uh, this felt like they didn't have that down quite as well. But again, this may just be a symptom of the fact that it's aimed at a younger audience than most of their fare. Yeah, I, I think trying to blend their story plus the childlike elements and then having to deal with all of those characters, even though they did have 25 episodes to do so, just didn't end up gluing together as well as we're used to. Yeah. Actually, you know what? I'd like, I would think I'd prefer all episodic rather than the plot. Like, if I had a choice, just have them go on more adventures. That's what I was here for. Yeah, the plot did seem to get in the way of that. So, yeah. I'll agree. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd probably agree with that, too. If we just learned about how magic works and then you weaved in story beats about the world, well, I'd triggers, probably have a lot of fun. Trigger's really strong when it's doing character building. And basically, those adventures, like, basically, you know, the plot of the adventure wouldn't matter so much as the character building. And I think that's where a lot of their strengths are. So, yeah, agreed. Well. Um, for me, the only other thing that was genuinely a little frustrating was Croy at the end. I felt like the finale, as much as I absolutely loved the final episode, I felt like everything got smashed together 
really fast. Yeah. And and then in the end, it was just like Croy kind of wandering off into the sunset. Like, I'll find a cure for that stuff that happened to you at Wagandia that's totally my fault. And I was like, this... I mean, I'm not going to reiterate too much, but I wrote it in my review. This woman nearly caused a war between two nations. Like, someone someone arrest her. Someone arrest thought, wasn't her. Wasn't she being escorted by guys and She didn't have two guys that, like, weren't, like... Yeah, I guess like, we gotta so. Go. Where was she... Okay, I guess I didn't really catch that part. It was weak. It, like, you're right. Where she the was orders? going through a portal, <laughs> and I was like, what, what on earth is happening? The only thing... Uh, other than that, that drove me nuts just to end was the episode with Leon, the sixth word. I was genuinely really irritated by this episode because we had had a lot of buildup up until this point. This was a really late one. I think this was episode like 21. And Akko is just a whiny little oh, brat yeah. after everything that has happened. And I was like, Akko, Akko, come on. It's late in the show. You need to pull this together by this point you had to have learned something and it's like they backpedaled her 12 steps in order to get her to the finale where she has this touching sequence with ursula sensei and learns what leon means and i was like for crying out loud you are gosh you're just a wench when she's sitting there on the tree like you just want to meet shiny chariot i'm like woman don't make me slap you come <laughs> yeah, over you, here you already got over you. this I thought we've. You I thought did. We've been yeah, you passed this. We did this in other episodes. What did all those episodes mean? It really devalued the path we had taken to this point. So it bothered me a lot. Hmm. But yeah. Anyway, that's having... that's kind of the bad stuff in a nutshell. Yeah. I had one more tiny detail, which was okay. Okay. And maybe you guys can help me on this. Is like, was there anything really serious about what happened to the moon when she hit it with that thing other than it changed the shape? Like, I don't feel like it got explained. And I kept waiting for the, the regular humans, the muggles or whatever, to be like, oh, yeah, that, that right up there is why we don't like the witches. They did something to the moon and we don't like it. But instead, like, Andrew's father and company were all, eh, witches are old news. That's why we don't like them. That so, was like, a little bit hmm. weird. Do you guys feel like the moon had any real significance that she'd change it? Or is it just, oh no, my power was too great and I did something? It was mostly that, yeah, she she let the she let the magic get away from her and caught and caused that. It was explained, but it was it did that entire background episode felt pretty weak when it came to just like, all right, now we've got everyone's uh, motivations like laid out in the most basic terms possible. It just feels like it sh there should have been a much more dramatic payoff for that either. I agree. I was waiting for like yeah. the big like what happened between Croy and Ursula. And it was like, I mean, the, you know, the, the whatever, the thing that Ursula ultimately ends up doing, like stealing magic from people is very bad. But I was expecting a little more for the, you know, the part where she sort of broke down and, and stopped doing her show. Right. Yeah, it was I weird. I thought she was going to fight Croy. Yeah, the yeah, that was weird. The emotional payoff was basically the sequence with Akko. There's no emotional payoff for the moon. <laughs> it's just there. It was just like with a diamond has, shape in it. It was this huge like how about what you did to the moon? I was like, "Oh my god, I have to know." And it was like, "Oh, that's it." You put a mark on you it. You put a mark on the moon. Like, I mean, can you just put it back? Like, use some <laughs> more magic. No, Scott, we've already established she don't know D-Spell. <laughs> that's true. There's no T-Spell. What the heck? All right, but that's that's enough uh, for me, I guess. If he has anything else, go for it. But then we can get to the good. Um, There was never a Yasminka episode. <laughs> yes! Oh, you know yeah. what? I yeah. that too. There was never a Yasminka episode. And I was like, did you guys not think her character out enough to write an episode for her? 
She has I mean, virtually hand, she has virtually no defining characteristics other than eating a lot and being really frigging strong. And nice. Right? Like, like she, that happens maybe twice in the show. Like she shows off that she's way stronger than she looks, but then it there's no payoff to that. She never actually accomplishes anything with it. Oh. Yeah, that was rather unfortunate. And there were several episodes you could have taken out in favor of a Yasminka episode. Mm-hmm. Oh, good point, Brendan. I think she's just I mean, she's just that friend that's there, maybe. I mean, like I don't I don't feel that badly that there isn't an episode about her. I just I feel like her like she could have been utilized a little better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Agreed. Well, we've definitely at this point made it seem like we have a much more negative opinion of this show than we actually do. Yeah, don't do. don't like, believe that. This, we really enjoyed the show. Yeah. This is this is us venting every minor irritation that ever came up that kept the show from being like, you know, flawless. And you're never going to reach that point. So, uh let's talk about what the good stuff was because there was a lot of it. Like it had mm. a the show had a really strong start. Uh the ending while it definitely felt rushed was just, you know, it was the blockbuster uh visual you know kind of crazy. it was everything that... i wanted it was pure trigger at its best just those yes wild and nutty angles that over the top action that exploding stardust in cool outfit it was everything i wanted i was the happiest kid ever in like when, trigger turns, when trigger turns on the action like whether it be the ending sequence or like the car chase and susie's head or some of the other like the like the even something smaller like the amanda episode oh yeah the sword fight, fight against the say. knight yeah. which was like clearly pulled from utna because what <laughs> isn't nowadays anyway it's a beautiful sequence of like pure fluidity like the the animation is almost fluid in nature mm-hmm. you know it looks almost liquid like when it bends and wiggles and really just awesome all yeah, of their magical effects were gorgeous. I don't think I've ever seen a show that shows ma- that makes magic feel as magical. And uh, Brendan, you actually pointed out the lighting in one of the episodes. Uh, it was actually one of the slower episodes near the middle. Um, there's this ten or eleven. Yeah, there's the blue moon. This yeah, this beautiful blue moon and everything. It's like you know, there are a lot of shows that I've found recently that do pretty good. Um, you know, day night comparison lighting. But this is just unbelievable. Every scene has just a beautiful visual tone to it, thanks to that, uh, thanks to that visual flair. And every time they bring magic into it, everything it does legitimately feel mystical. Like the the fountain of Polaris was. That's fountain of Polaris episode was like the perfect example, I think. Yeah. yeah. Between yeah, between the story beat and the uh, animation coming together to give you just this, it was one of the most heartfelt and touching moments in a show I felt recently. Like. It was just everything about it came together flawlessly, and I think that was the high point of the series for me. Like, the ending, awesome. Fantastic uh, action sequences. Like you said, that's everything that you were expecting from Trigger. But it's also nice to see that they can deliver that kind of... Yeah. Yeah, that kind of production value in something more subtle, more, you know, less action-oriented and more character-focused. I liked that they used... um... A little bit of art and foley sound effects to illustrate the differences between Akko and Diana. So whenever Akko was doing anything that wasn't Deus Ex Machina, I'm awesome right now. 
it was like doring, like they'd give that little doofy, almost like cartoonish <laughs> sound to what <laughs> she was doing. Yeah, because it would always go wrong. Whereas when like Diana summons the unicorn, oh, it's man. just this like beautiful <laughs> sequence of pure delicacy that's like fushing. Like the the sound <laughs> effect that goes with it is so perfect, and it's those little things that really add to the magic that I think Dan's talking about. Like, they thought out those things. It's not like one consistent sound every time the wand... Yeah, the wand makes a sound when it, like, flicks out. But there's a there's a difference just in their... Their magic is almost an extension of their personality. Right, when you see Diana going and you hear her, her wand going, it's like, ah, grace and precision. Like, yeah, you exactly. Get that. That's what you get out of it from just that sound alone. So really, really neat. And she's the only one who sort of possesses a sound like that. So... It's it was just this neat, uh, really thinking out every edge of of your character. Yeah. So speaking of which, great characters. I mean, it's cheating a bit to say that because there's the OVAs and I love them so much, but mm. they are like a solid cast of characters, even if we didn't get quite as much time as we would have liked. Absolutely. I mean, Akko does legitimately evolve over the course of the show. She does. She has they, an arc. They have moments where they backpedal her deliberately, and those always annoyed me a little bit. But again, so show for children, you gotta reinforce that kind of thing sometimes. But Yeah, like, no no child retains everything on the first go, I suppose. Fair enough. But like, yeah, she you know, she grows, she becomes somewhat more patient. She never loses her energy, but she gains focus. Um Diana is probably the best character in the whole thing because Diana, Diana! is my character. Diana's so best good. girl, man. Oh, absolutely. It's yeah, just Diana, like, Hannah, and Barbara never fail to bring a smile to my face, like whatever ah. they're doing. You want to give us hot water for a shower? <laughs> hey, someone's taking charge of this tragedy or whatever, This uh, the, the work strike, even if it's just for selfish gain. Good work, <laughs> Hannah and Barbara. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Diana, like, so easily could have been written as the, you know, the princess character or, you know, this really skilled uh, character who's just a jerk and has to learn how not to be a jerk. She's, and while she is certainly, you know, terse with Akko, I feel like Akko kind of earns it. Yeah, she definitely, she definitely does. And I think, I mean, not only that, there were two solid episodes devoted to Diana and why life is so hard on her. And you were like, yes, now I love you even more. And those had some just mind-blowing art effects. Holy wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah, those looked really her good. And like the whole thing about very like, her, impressive. like her mother and like the history of their family uh, mm-hmm. was interesting stuff. Yeah. Someone who has, I think I, as I wrote uh, in the episode uh, around her that I reviewed, she is someone who has every right to be proud of her family and her name. Like this is not just, oh, my family's old and wealthy and therefore I am, you know, therefore I am the best. It is my family has been has been helping people and doing good work for a very long time. So I am going to preserve that. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely wasn't, I I almost wasn't expecting that. Like, I loved her for her snood in a way. Like, whenever she'd appear, (laughs) it was just like this. I loved the camera work, too, because I don't know if you guys noticed, a lot of the time when Diana was brought in, it was like this bottom shot. Yeah, Yeah. it was a low camera with Diana. Because you're always, she's she's always above you. She's (laughs) always above you. It did that amazing, like, perspective shot where Diana's like, looking down on you just by camera angle alone and she's like hand on the hip like you're all idiots today mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know it's a really really perfect use of that so i wasn't expecting it in a way so when we got to the diana episodes i was like 
wow, this this solid, solid character writing. You clearly care about these people. So that was fun. She had, and she had a good arc that like, you know, didn't, I don't think she really backpedaled. Like her arc was, was solid. Yeah, totally. Um, what else? Oh, I love watching the headmistress do stuff. Like, <laughs> not a major character. I can also character. wear it as a hat. Oh my goodness. Headmistress, never, never change. Okay? Never change. <laughs> yeah, that's why I think uh, we most of us agree that we could spend a bit more time with the faculty. Because when they're around, their personalities are great. They're a lot of fun to watch. Like that one, um, like that one, uh, professor who's always like, like a hair's breadth away from cursing every single student in the classroom. <laughs> McGonagall? Uh, her or is like that the, the one we the... called McGonagall? Finnerin, I think, is the like the McGonagall stand-in. Uh, I think Dan's talking about someone else. You mean like the, oh, okay. the broom instructor one? No, she was, no, she was, it was pretty the, tough. It was the it was the like the one who looks like your stereotypical witch. Hmm. Was the potions one? Potions did look like a very stereotypical witch. Okay. Yeah. Who's always like, you know, it's like, it's like, yeah, all the right. the cackling ch- one. Yeah. yeah. All right, children, if you mess this up even a little bit, the horrible things are going to happen to you. And she just delights in it. Yeah, that's her. Perfect. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, oh my God. Like, like, like the strike thing. The headmistress, like just her aside with Akko. Oh, like congratulations on like becoming the leader of the strike movement. And Akko's like, ooh, I can write so they improve and be the secretary or something like they're just like having their own little moment, even though they're on different sides of the argument. <laughs> yeah, that was genuinely hilarious. And honestly, I would watch like like a short spinoff show about reporter, like reporter girl and her adventures on campus. Yeah. Like magical reporting. Let's go. She didn't do much, but when she did, she threw it all behind it. Yep. Um. Oh, I was gonna say really quick, Dan. I think one of the things we really liked about the show as a whole was that. Akko didn't magically like she has shiny rod and in any other show that would be total deus ex machina I can do whatever I want and sometimes that happens but for the most part I mean even through the the rest of the show Akko's like weird metamorphosis almost just becomes part of her personality like she (laughs) never gets super de duper amazing at any of her magic it's just her doofiness is almost her signature Oh yeah. At that point. And it was they really stuck to that. Like even in the end, she's transforming into like the mouse and the elephant thing and the she just knows she just owns it. She owns her weird. And I really liked that because in anywhere else she would have just, you know, become Diana's arch rival or something, and she is totally different and they really commit. That's true. Absolutely. Actually you have a good point there. Like they she doesn't just get stronger than Diana, she just she changes in her own way. Mm-hmm. She and compliments Diana. Yeah, exactly. And that's one Thanks. of the reasons that I think uh, we like that Diana arc so much is because in the second half, when um, everything's going wrong for Diana, her aunt is like getting in her way and stopping her from taking over the family. Snake, it's a snake. Yeah. Akko comes <laughs> in and you finally get to see her use all of the metamorphosis magic she's you know she's transforming between the mouse to get across to get across a chasm running away from a bunch of snakes when they try to grab onto her she turns into a tor- into a tortoise then she turns into an elephant and goes and squishes them like it was amazing it was it was goofy it was cartoonish it was perfect and it was so Akko. exactly <laughs> Just own own the moment and own that character you snakes think your poison is anything compared to Susie's. <laughs> yeah, that was great too. Like total payoff for being poisoned by your by your bestie the whole time. She's like, ha ha. 
It was like one of those uh, Princess Bride moments. Like, oh, I've developed an immunity to this. Haha. <laughs> Albeit Mostly. unintentionally. Yeah, really. Thanks, Susie. Kind of. Uh, who else? Oh, yeah, you know what? I kind of liked Andrew's little mini arc. And Andrew was a character, for that matter. Did like, you really? I felt like that was just kind of... I don't know. I never felt like it really got what it needed to. Just at the end, where his dad is like, tell me all about witches, because okay, it's payoff, episode 25. That payoff was dumb. Like, that was way too quick. But, like, I felt like sort of watching him chafe under his father and try to become his own person was interesting. Yeah, the payoff is, is silly. That's uh, true. But, I mean, really, the payoff is that he stood up to his father, not that his father was suddenly converted to liking witches. And that, okay, I think, fair. was another symptom of the rushed, uh, you know, the rush to get everything wrapped up at the yeah, end. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, just give everyone a, a more or less happy ending. Like, we gotta go, we gotta snap this up here. But uh, I did like watching him. Like, his, you know, his the piano thing with the flight of the bumblebee was excellent. Oh, that was beautiful. Yeah, that his, was very his, clever. His first little moment of rebellion against his father. He's like, I'm just going to play this piano piece flawlessly. <laughs> and it yeah, that out. was nice. Meaning he's like been learning piano in secret this whole time. Exactly. Like it was it was good. And like his father was his father is an excellent character for what his father's character is supposed to do. So. Mm -hmm. And I did like the fact that outside of Croy, we really didn't have a lot of, you know, villains. There were, you know, brief antagonists, but never anyone who was... You know, like that dragon, the the dragon. Um, the one that's using here. Windows 10 and drinking coffee in a bathrobe. <laughs> so yeah, he is not a villain. He is an antagonist of of a sort. But you know, very. He's an few, entrepreneur, Dan. <laughs> very few people are in this just because they are mean or evil people. Even Croy has you know reasons for doing what she's doing. Right. You know, though her, you know, obviously her. Uh, Right, her, her methods are not the best idea. Yeah, her method her methods are her methods are nasty and ruthless and her wounded pride also means that she's willing to pretty much do whatever she uh feels she has to. But even so, they do a pretty good job of making this a show that is much more centered around the the heroes and the circumstances they're in um than purely driven by the the antagonist's actions, at least for the first half. Second half, then, you know, things take off, and you know, we've already discussed uh, how that kind of weakens the whole thing. Right. Agreed. So I think uh, overall, it's a, it's a strong show. It's a lot of fun, which really mm. carries through the point I always hammer home about Little Witch Academia. It's like, just it's just trying to make you smile. It's just trying to have you have a good time, and... I enjoyed playing Spot the Reference. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Salem Saberhagen next to Croy in the yearbook. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Or, of course, that guy from the, uh, what is it, like a, a pawn? Pawn Stars. Pawn Stars, yeah. Like they in got the magic they shop. Chumley into the magic shop. Mm -hmm. Or the um, or the fact that in the, the first ending credits, the car that they stand in front of for like a few seconds in a still shot has the same license plate as a flying car from one of the Harry Potter movies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow. I had to look that one. And, of Brendan. course, you know, Hannah and Barbara. So, like, Trigger, Trigger is always sort of winking at you, which is cool. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, that, are, was, that was good. These are, you know, absolute fans of the medium who are fitting that in everywhere they can. It shows in their work all the time. Yeah. So, also, and you yeah. know, and, and the plus side of being kind of a show that's more aimed at children, there's pretty much no fan service. You can show this to your children. 
Yeah, so, guys, you oh, can totally right. watch this with your kids. It's, There's pretty much zero, yeah, zero what we would consider questionable content. I mean... Yeah, I mean, yeah. heck, it's even less questionable than in the first OVA. There's that sequence where Susie, like, melts that, oh, that bull that, creature. The bull, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's, like, a little gruesome, and I was like, oh, boy. But this show, like, it's just, you could totally watch it with your kids, and they would really enjoy it. And most importantly, Diana x Diana is my OTP. So <laughs> this is very important for me to mention in that Bumblebee episode. I read that somewhere, and I was like, this this is too perfect, because Diana is my home dog. So they're just like, Diana x Diana is my OTP. She is flawless. She is so flawless. Who could love her more than a reflection of herself in a mirror? Perfect. Uh. So yeah, um, like you said, Soup, strong show overall. Had some issues mainly to do with pacing and where they decided to put their energy when it came to dividing between story beats and episodic stuff, and a bit of a rushed ending. Like, those are the flaws, but... They're they're seriously outweighed by the good. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely pursue the show. Gorgeous animation, uh, great characters, ton of fun. They're delivering everything that you expect from Trigger, and they're doing it in a show that can be watched with kids. So, all in all, fantastic. Definitely recommend it. Hmm, yep. Yes. Well, alrighty then. Thanks for tuning in, and look forward to our next rolling review choice. Yeah. Have a good one, folks. Bye.